0: to jump out of John chapter 6 tonight. I want to kind of start there and launch off this. Um, I want to speak tonight about comfortable Christianity. I want to speak about comfortable Christianity. And I wanna, I wanna kinda set the stage of what takes place in this Scripture first. Um, basically, to set the stage of what happens here is that um, Jesus has just gone around doing amazing miracles. Like He's, been, he's just fed the 5,000, um, He's just uh, walked on water, He's done a whole bunch of crazy miracles and His ministry is really starting to boom and His ministry is really starting to explode. And so He's getting heaps of disciples come in and, and say, we wanna follow You, Jesus. Um, crowds are flocking to Him to see the miracles um, that He has to do and He's getting a massive following. But then Jesus gets up at a synagogue and He begins to speak to the people there and He says this, it'll be on the screen. John chapter six. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Talk about controversial. And um, we know now He's speaking about communion and about um, receiving the gift of salvation, um, but they might not have known that initially. He says, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father. What's oh, gone? Come on now, they're testing if I know it off by heart. I think it's back. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of His disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that His disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where He was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and full of life. Yet there are some of you who don't believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray Him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of His disciples turned back and they no longer followed Him. You don't wanna leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered Him, Lord, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. I love Peter's response in this moment because that is a great heart posture when it comes around baptism. Because what what baptism is, for those um, in water baptism, baptism, it's you're saying the old life is gone. You're saying that the plan B's, the other things I could go to, they're actually gone and I'm going all in for Jesus. And so what baptism represents is it's the old life when we go under the water, going away and being dead and gone. And it's the new life that we receive in Christ that's what's represented when we get up. And baptism's a powerful moment in a believer's lifestyle. Um, I, I encourage you, if you're, if you're saved in this place, maybe you didn't even um, plan on getting baptised, but God's calling you to get a bit uncomfortable and to commit to that decision tonight. And maybe you'll have to drive home a little bit wet. But I, I, I find in Scripture that often baptism, um, there isn't like this, this kind of, oh, when do you, you maybe want to get baptised, you maybe not want to get baptised. Very often in Scripture, what you find is that baptism is almost the immediate response after salvation. Very often after people make that decision in Scripture, um, it's not like this kind of long waiting, but they're kind of like, I wanna get baptized, I wanna wanna go all in for this. Um, I I always think of baptism uh, sometimes, though it's not a perfect example, um, similar to a wedding. Baptism is a public declaration um, of the love you have for Christ and that you're not going back and that there's nowhere else you would go. Um, Similar to a wedding, a wedding is a public declaration of love that you have for an individual. Um, but what you'll find is um, if I got engaged to somebody and they, and they were like, for maybe five or 10 years, we hadn't got married yet. I'm not, I'm not prophesying right now. If I got engaged, to, if you got engaged to somebody and you didn't get married for maybe 10 years, I don't know about you, I'd feel like I'd have to almost get re-engaged again just to double check, like, are you still in this? And the only reason people wait um, from getting engaged to getting married is because there's obviously planning and and finance involved. And hey, if you're in this place and and you're like, man, I've been walking with Jesus for a while, but I haven't taken that step, I wanna encourage you tonight, take the step. that um, Get uncomfortable tonight, that God wants to to move on you and He wants to move through you, and it takes complete surrender. And so God wants us to be people that are uncomfortable. Um, if, I was in, if I was preaching tonight and everybody started walking out like in the scripture, the way Jesus started preaching, two things would happen. I would probably wonder what I said wrong and Pastor Chris Ansby would probably call to have a meeting with me as well. But in this moment, Jesus almost seems unfazed that people are walking away and, and no doubt he had compassion on them. But Jesus in this moment, he, he preaches and, and they start leaving. If I was in the scene, I'd be like, Jesus, 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 what, what are you doing? We're growing, the ministry's growing and people are joining and you can't say stuff like that, Jesus. We've got we to kind of dial it back. We don't want to offend anyone. We, we need to kind of dial it back a bit. But, but Jesus isn't phased by that. And I think the reason that is at the end of the day is that Jesus was more concerned about making disciples than He was building a crowd. That He didn't want to build a crowd if it meant He wasn't making disciples. And very often, if you're going to live um, uncomfortable in your life, what happened in this story is these men were living, they weren't actually following Jesus, they were following the things they got from Jesus. Because even though they walked with Him and they, they flocked to Him when He was doing miracles and, and many great things like that, um, the reality was He wasn't their Lord. Because as soon as things got uncomfortable or as soon as things got controversial, they, they said it was a hard teaching and many of them left. And we need to be people that are not only afraid to get, uh, sorry, not afraid to get uncomfortable, but we need to be people who reflect the love of Christ. And the love of Christ that I see exemplified in this verse is, is Christ actually does something controversial. He says something offensive for the sake of love. He actually isn't afraid to speak the truth if it means that people are gonna come to repentance and come to know Him. And one thing you'll find in the life of Christ, He, he never lowered the bar of what it meant to be a Christ follower. He, he, never, he never kind of changed his message to fit different worldviews or different people with social status to the ones that are listening. But Jesus said, I, I love people enough to tell them, even if you hate me for it, I'm gonna tell you the truth and call you to a higher standard. And the question I have for us tonight is that if we're gonna reflect the love of Christ, are we gonna be willing to, to stand by the offensive truths of the Word of God, the offensive truths of Scripture, even if it means people will hate us? I'm I'm all about being relevant. I'm all about um, reaching people and being relevant, but but if we're relevant, I'm all about being relevant for the point of reaching people, but if we're being relevant just so we don't get persecuted for our faith or offend anybody, that's not seeking relevance, that's self-preservation. And that's not the call of the Gospel. The call of Christ was never self-preservation or self-gratification, it was self-denial because God knows that the enthroning of ourselves in our life doesn't lead to wholeness, it leads to emptiness. Even the, the Christian walk, it, it's, it's a constant dethroning of your own lordship of your life and a constant enthroning of God as the Lord of your life. And it's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's never comfortable to be dethroned and to enthrone someone or something else, but Christ calls us to it. We need to be people that say, even if, even if the world hates us, we're gonna love them so much that we're not gonna be afraid to tell them the offensive truth. Because Jesus recognised love without the truth is not really all that loving. If we love people, but we don't lead them to the truth and call them to a higher standard, it begs the question, are we, are we loving them or are we loving ourselves? Yeah, wow. Because we don't wanna offend people or we wanna be relevant for ourselves. We need to not be afraid. We need to reflect the love that Christ had, which said, even if, even if you hate me for, for calling you to the truth, I'm still, gonna, I'm still gonna love you enough to tell you. And we have a generation of Christians oftentimes that that we kinda wanna live this, this, this kind of unoffen- unoffensible, um, kinda Christian quiet life where, where you, know, you do you and, and I'll do me and it's okay, you can kinda live in your sin. And, and you know you've heard that phrase, um, like you do you boo, you've heard that phrase, you do you. Um, I've been looking in the Bible for that by the way, I haven't found it yet. I think it's in the genealogies, I might've skipped over it. <laughs> but I am so glad and I hope you are too that Jesus didn't look at your life and my life and say you do you. Because if Jesus said, you do you, I would still be dead in my sins. If Jesus had just affirmed the lifestyle you have and what you wanna do, then that's okay, that's okay. But it would actually lead to death. And we need to be people as the church who aren't afraid to say the offensive truths for the sake of loving people and calling them to a higher standard. And that means we we have to not be afraid to change um, our views on parts of Scripture that are controversial um, when it comes to things like gender or or things like sexuality. And and that's not because God wants to limit anybody's life or ruin anybody's life. That's because there's parameters that God set up that are conducive to wholeness in your life. And when you violate those parameters, it actually won't lead to wholeness. We need to love people enough to, to tell them the truth. That's what Christ did and that's how we're called to be uncomfortable. True love is uncomfortable love. <laughs> I, um, I wrote this down in, in my notes and I think it's worth saying is that we can't dull and make blunt the sword of the Spirit and still expect it to transform people's lives. We can't, we can't lower the bar of what it means to call, uh, to, to follow Jesus and still expect people's lives to get changed just because we want it to be more palatable or, or reach more people. Christ never did that. He, he wasn't afraid to get uncomfortable. And I pray we'd be a church tonight that isn't afraid to get uncomfortable. What the devil would love is he'd love a church that's, that's comfy, that doesn't wanna step on anyone's toes, that's just kinda gonna, gonna pull back on things and stay quiet on things. But, but man, we have a world that is perishing, church. We have a world that is dying and we need to be not afraid to speak the truth and lead people higher. There's a world that's, that's suffering and that's dying and they need what you have on the inside. But, but oftentimes we get so caught up chasing comfort, this, this comfortable Christianity. Um, now, what I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not saying that comfort is always a bad thing. Um, I believe when you're in the call of God, there'll be times when you're comfortable and there'll be times when you're not comfortable. But what I am saying is that if, if our life is only characterised by comfort, if, if you look at your life and, and you think the purpose of your life as a Christian is just to you know, go on holidays, tick all your financial goals and sip one of those coconuts with an umbrella in it <laughs> on the beach, then we've missed the, the call of the Gospel. It's, it's to go and to actually reach people. It's to get uncomfortable for people. But somewhere along the way now, in our Western Christian world where we're so blessed and we're so prosperous, we can get so caught up and thinking our lives are about ourselves. We can get so caught up, but, but you would be amazed. You would be amazed the peace and the rest you have in your soul when your life is not about yourself, but your life's simply about worshiping God. You would be amazed the rest you have. Because that's a kind of rest that no matter how uncomfortable the situation around you is, the rest that Christ gives transcends environment. And it transcends trial and it transcends circumstance. When you have a a rest in your soul, it's based out of worshiping God, not preserving yourself. It's uncomfortable Christianity. And and the question I have to you tonight is in your life, are you pursuing comfort or are you pursuing calling? Are you pursuing your own comfort or are you pursuing the calling that the Holy Spirit is placing on your life? And it's a constant question. This is not a one-off decision where you choose calling over comfort. It's an actually an everyday decision. Yeah, right. To say, am I gonna choose calling today where the Holy Spirit's leading me yeah. and forego comfort? Or am I gonna forego my calling and embrace comfort? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a constant thing of the human souls to choose calling over comfort. And if you're anything like me, I hate to say it, sometimes my, my calling and my comfort are going the opposite direction. <laughs> sometimes I have, to, I have to forego my comfort to embrace calling. And, and sometimes they go in different directions. I, I um, Sometimes I'll, I'll be out and you know those prayers you pray, like, like, God, use me today, I'll do anything you want today, God, I'm ready. And you pray those fired up prayers, and then the Holy Spirit will ask you to, you know when he like taps you on the shoulder? And you're like, oh not now, Holy Spirit, please. I haven't had my coffee yet. I'm like, I'm saved, but I'm not a good Christian until I have my coffee, so can you just like dial it back? And you and you feel that tap on your shoulder. And and, and then I'll find myself, I'll be at a coffee shop and, and I'll feel the Holy Spirit kind of tap me and say, Hey, I know you're comfortable, but but you should strike up a conversation with that person and just, just see where it leads. Or, or, hey, I know you're, you're feeling comfy right now, but but that person actually needs what you have on the inside of you. You should, um, you should maybe buy, buy their coffee. Or even sometimes I'll, um I'll, I'll, I mean, this is not often because I'm an athlete, but sometimes I go to Macca's, believe it or not. Sometimes, like maybe a couple of times, I'm only joking, a couple of times. But sometimes I'll go to Macca's in the drive-thru and even I'll feel the Holy Spirit say, hey, like you should pay for the person behind you and then tell the worker to say that Jesus loves them and get the Macca's worker to preach the gospel to them, even if they're not saved. And, and then, and I'm like, and I'm kind of like, God, it depends, are they buying a coffee or like a family box? Because if they're buying a coffee, yes. If they're buying a family box, like inflation rates, fuel, God. <laughs> but we have a choice to make. Are we gonna embrace calling? or Are we gonna embrace comfort? Because very often you, you can't actually have both. There are times when we have to choose just like these people did. They chose comfort over calling, but, but would we be a church that chooses calling over comfort in every situation? There'll be times when when your calling is comfortable. There'll be times when it's uncomfortable. We have to say, I'm, I'm gonna choose calling even when it's uncomfortable, Jesus. Um, even tonight, I encourage you, what's that part of your life, even maybe as I'm, I'm speaking about comfort, that the Holy Spirit is, is kinda tapping on your shoulder about? And He's saying, hey, hey, you know, you know what I want you to do, right? Hey, hey, I know you don't think you're qualified for this, but but I'm actually calling you to start a life group. Or maybe maybe the Holy Spirit's tapping you and saying, hey, hey, it's actually time that you got a revelation around tithing and investing into the house of God where you encountered the presence of Jesus. And it's uncomfortable, but, it, but, it, but it's where He's calling. And maybe He's saying, hey, hey, it's time you actually start coming to church regularly again. You come in every few weeks, and, and that's, that's great, you're coming, but but maybe He's saying you, you actually need to, to dig deeper. Or you need to start having that conversation that's a bit awkward at work with that co-worker and actually start telling you about Christ for yourself. Right. And, and, and the Holy Spirit taps on our shoulder because He wants to lead us out of comfort into calling. Many of us in our lives, we are not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit because we're too busy embracing comfort. And often the Holy Spirit meets us when we're out of our comfort zone. Often it's when you're out of your depth. You, you say, I don't know how I'm gonna do this, I don't know what's gonna happen, but, but I need the Holy Spirit. And when we step out of our comfort zone into where He's calling us, very often the Holy Spirit will empower us in those moments. It's a decision we have to make. Um, and the reality is that there are gifts and there are talents in this room. There are gifts and there are talents that God has placed on the inside of you. And, and the reason God placed those gifts and those talents there, it wasn't so they could stay on the inside of you. He placed gifts and talents on your life because he said, Hey, what you what I've given you, I need you to give to other people. That, that, that gift I've given you is actually not just for yourself. Have you ever given someone a gift, I love gifts by the way, have you uh, ever given somebody a gift and, and you know they hate it when they open it? Or maybe you've given somebody a gift, it's probably a better way to put it, you've given somebody a gift and um, they like, you never see them use it, or you never see them wear it. I hate that, I, I've, um, I, I've got to call out some soon right now. Pastor Liam, I bought you a jacket, I bought you a really nice suede jacket two years ago, I'm not bitter by the way, this is just, as you can tell, I, I bought you a nice jacket and all I'm saying is I've seen him wear it like twice. Okay, I thought it was really nice. It wasn't a last minute jacket. I've seen him wear it maybe like twice. And one of the times is when he put it on to see if it fit. And, he, and he's like, oh, no, nah, bro, like I wore it last week. And I'm like, bro, we kind of work in the same environment. I think I would see it. Um, but I'm sorry, I didn't mean, I'm not bitter. This is just, sorry, bro. Um, but, but man, on a serious note, I would hate to, to look back on my life and, and God says, "Hey, hey, you actually had gifts and talents on the inside of you that you didn't use to bless the people around you because you were too busy chasing comfort. I would hate to look back on my life and, and I would hate to look back on my life and, and say, my life was characterized just by comfort. I wanna look back on my life and say, my life was characterized by calling. It wasn't characterized by comfort. Because when we're in heaven and everything's perfect and there's no more pain and there's no more suffering, we'll, we'll be grateful that we lived not by comfort, but by calling, by where the Holy Spirit was leading us in the daily moments, in the big moments. It's, um, it's crazy sometimes, I think, we can look at what Jesus did, Well, he, he poured out Himself and He gave 100%. And we can be like, that's cool, Jesus, but um, I just kinda wanna give like 20% of my life to you. It's like, I know you gave 100%, Jesus, but what's like the bare minimum that I can, I can do to get saved? Or, or what's like, the, where's like the line on these certain sins so that I can just do what I wanna do? And, and, kinda, and we get in this like bare minimum mindset from of of comfortable christianity but the call of the gospel is 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 to reflect the love that christ gave us to love the way that he loved us and he didn't love us with 10 percent; he loved us with his whole life we're called to love the same way even when it's uncomfortable even when it's offensive there are gifts and there are talents that god's placed on the inside of you there's a um uh, a quote by c.s lewis and i'll read it in a second but basically he, he wrote this book um, called Screwtape Letters, and it's, it's basically written from a demon's perspective. It sounds a little bit, a little bit weird, but he, he writes it from a demon's perspective to another apprentice demon, and he's basically, um, it, he's giving tips on how to um, side rail this Christian's life and destroy this Christian's life. And um, there's a quote from one of the demons in this, I bet you didn't think I would quote a demon tonight, it's, it's fictional. It says, it does not matter how small, this is the demon speaking, the sins are provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, and without signposts. I um, I think when I was a bit younger in the faith, I just always imagined the devil would come at Christians with, um, with like heartbreak or, or, um, or bad things or trials. And I'm sure he uses those things to um, attack Christians' lives still. But I think sometimes all the enemy has to do is he has to just make us value comfort over calling. Wow. He's he just like, if I could just throw some blessings in their way and they'll get so distracted by those things, they won't live up to what God's calling them into. Wow. If I can just throw, throw some comfort their way to distract them, then they won't even be that effective for the kingdom. Wow. He can use comfort to try to dissuade us so we don't follow the calling that God has for us. It's, it's, it's the danger of, of comfort, and instead of abounding in blessing, we end up being bound in our blessings. Wow. Where we, we can't even move and do things for other people or for the kingdom because we're so caught up on a, a self-preservation mentality rather than an uncomfortable Christianity. It's, it's the lie of the enemy that the best life you have is a life of self-preservation. It's the lie of the enemy. Um, And here's the thing, when it comes down to the teachings of Jesus, when it comes down to the life that He lived, He actually never promised us a comfortable life. You look at Scripture, He never promises that life's always going to be sunshine and rainbows, and it's always going to be easy. He never promised a comfortable life, but what He did promise was actually something better. See, what Jesus promised wasn't a comfortable life. It wasn't comfort that He promised, He promised a comforter. See, one of the names of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives is that He's He's the comforter or that He's the helper. So instead of giving us comfortable situations, Jesus actually says, I'm gonna put comfort, I'm gonna put the one who comforts you on the inside of you. And whenever you're in an uncomfortable situation, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, will be the one that uplifts you and upholds you. He gave us a comforter. It's it's even better, Give us the Holy Spirit. And I hate to say this to you and burst your bubble, but I really doubt that Jesus would have given us a comforter if it meant we were always gonna be comfortable. (laughs) I really doubt He gave us a comforter if it meant that there was never gonna be uncomfortable moments or uncomfortable times as a Christian. But it's because He knew we'd need the Holy Spirit as a comforter. And this is kind of where I wanna tie it in with with the power of a Holy Spirit baptism. Um, You may think, well, um, don't we receive the Holy Spirit upon salvation? Why do we need to get a a separate baptism? Um, There's a couple of scriptures you can read in your own time. Basically, Matthew 3.11 and in Acts 19, there's two references where um, it's, basically, it's basically referred to that there's water baptism and there's also something separate which is called Holy Spirit baptism. And so there are actually two different events in the Christian life. There's water and there's Holy Spirit. And yes, we, we, we receive the Holy Spirit upon salvation, but what Holy Spirit baptism, baptism, one of the words that it means is immersion. And so it's this full immersion. It's this full immersion in the Holy Spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit comes and He lives on the inside of you and He begins to empower you. He begins to give you the strength. He begins to give you the the giftings. He begins to empower you for the life as a Christian. Can I tell you, life without the Holy Spirit as a Christian is really a fool's errand, that we need the Holy Spirit so much. We need Him to to live our lives holy. We need Him to empower others to live holy lives. We need Him to reach people. We need the Holy Spirit. It's a Holy Spirit baptism. There is uh, one baptism event but there's also many in fillings. And so even if you're in this place, in a few minutes, we're gonna make space just to receive of the Holy Spirit. And even if maybe you're in this place and, and you've never done that and been Holy Spirit baptised before, I believe the Holy Spirit's calling you to, to not be comfortable in this moment. Or, or maybe it's, um, you, you haven't felt the Holy Spirit's presence or really encountered Him if you're honest in a really long time. And tonight, He wants to touch you afresh. He wants to move in a new way in your heart and in your life. He, he wants to meet you on this altar tonight, but we have to get uncomfortable. There's one more verse, and I wanna close with this. Um, in Acts 5, 35, the, apostles, oh, sorry, the, the disciples, the apostles, they get um, captured for the first time for preaching the gospel. And this high priest, Gamaliel, his name is, he comes and he says this about, about their capture. He says, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census, and he led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, and catch this, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. If you look at the history of the early church, in the natural, he had every reason to be, to be stomped out with persecution. Christians were, were being thrown to lion's dens, they were being crucified, they, they were being um, hung upside down on crosses and, and even um, lit on fire. The, the church faced so much persecution. But the fact that the church is alive and well today is me is that, tells me that what these men did wasn't of themselves. It wasn't of himself. it was because the Holy Spirit was driving and was guiding and was building His church. Can I tell you tonight, the Holy Spirit is still driving and guiding and building His church and He's doing it through people and He's doing it through available vessels who say, I need a fresh touch, I need a fresh infilling, I wanna be used by God. And when you receive of the Holy Spirit, man, Peter went from being timid and fleeing Jesus' crucifixion to getting up and preaching and seeing 3,000 saved after the Holy Spirit had come. Man, Peter, he, who, who previously denied Jesus three times, he actually, church tradition holds that, that what happened was when he was gonna die, they went to crucify him and he said this, he said, please crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same way as my master. Wow. What changed? Was it willpower? Was it, was it just mustering up enough, enough faith or enough strength? No, it was the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And you know when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you, when you get an infilling of the presence of God living on the inside of you, people will take note. People will say, this person's life, it's not of human activity, it's not of human origin, but there's something divine about this person. And you'll look in the mirror and say, I had these old sinful desires, but the Holy Spirit got His hands on me and He lives inside of me and He transformed it that I have God-fearing, God-honouring desires. And you'll face trials and you'll face things that, that the other people would say, I know them and they're not that good. And you'll say, I know, but I have a joy that doesn't make any sense. I have a peace that makes no sense. And it's because the Spirit of the living God is inside of me. You'll say, "I know." I'm I'm not that good. He gives boldness, he gives, he gives courage. He's the, he's the comforter. And in, in a sec, we're gonna go into a time of worship and the band's gonna come and, and, and we're gonna we've got prayer teams and, and leaders ready to, to lay hands on some people and to baptize some people. Or uh, if you need a fresh touch tonight as well. But before we do, if we could all bow our heads and close our eyes in this moment, you know there's a, a misconception that goes around that um, it, like, like, okay, I'm a, I'm a good person and, and if um, I mean, I'm not like Hitler and I'm not like this person or a serial killer, so I think God will let me into heaven when I finally stand before Him. And what Scripture actually teaches is that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. In fact, it goes as far as to say that if you sin in one area, it's as if you've sinned in, in every area. It's as if you violated the whole law. That, that we actually are in desperate need of a Saviour. We're actually in desperate need as, as people of, of, the, of the salvation that comes with the Gospel, that comes with Jesus. And in this place tonight, as I've been speaking, I believe the Holy Spirit's been doing some stuff in some people's hearts. I believe the Holy Spirit's been tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, hey, you need to get uncomfortable. Hey, hey, I actually have a life for you that's better than the one that you're living right now. Maybe even you're in this place and and you lived um, following God for a time, but if you're honest, you you really have walked away and, and you wouldn't even call yourself a Christian anymore. The reality is that God's not mad at you, He's not against you. I don't believe it's an accident that you're here tonight, but His arms are outstretched towards you. He wants to meet with you. The Bible says this, that we were all under the curse of the law, but Christ became the curse for us. That He he paid the ultimate price so that we could be set free from sin and we could enter into a relationship with God. All we have to do is to say, God, I need You, is to receive this gift. It's, It's by grace and it's through faith. You might say, I've done a lot of stuff, but I guarantee you, I promise you, that He has more mercy than you have sin, He has more grace than you have mistakes. He loves you so much. And so in this moment, if that's you and you say tonight, I need to make a decision, I need to get uncomfortable, I need to, I need to make a decision to give my life to Christ, to make Him Lord. If that's you in this place, I'm gonna count to three. And in this moment, I would love if you could just raise your hand nice and high. That's not so I can, um, to, to point out you or get you down the front, I just wanna acknowledge in this moment, this public decision of something that's taking place on the inside. And so if that's you, I wanna count to three. I'd love you to just do something really brave and and raise your hand on the count of three. I believe God's doing some stuff. On the count of three, one, He loves you so much. Two, He has a plan for your life. And three, as I look from the left to the right, if that's you, just shoot your hand up right now. Don't overthink it. If If that's you, just shoot your hand up. Yeah, awesome, awesome, I see you too, incredible. Awesome, I see that hand, young lady. I see that hand, young lady, incredible. Is there anyone else tonight? Amazing. Father God, we thank You that You didn't see hands go up, You saw hearts open up. And we thank You right now, God, that You would fill them with Your presence, that You'd forgiven them of all sin, that they're a new creation, God, and they're entered into Your Kingdom. Thank You that You'd help them, Jesus, to walk this journey of faith, in Jesus' Name.